Our reading continues this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 through 45, and verse 56. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now... Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped For joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God. Reveal your word to us this day, that we might have life in your name. Amen. No one plans for an angel to show up. It's not exactly the sort of occasion you can mark on your calendars. Besides, many these days would be reluctant to tell anyone of such an encounter for fear of what they might say, might think, might do. Call your bluff. Demand you to prove it. Insist that you were only seeing things, that you were surely mistaken, or worse, delusional, no longer attuned to the realities of the world in which we live. All of this and more, to be sure. We are modern, after all. Sophisticated, we like to believe, in our understanding of the vastness of the universe. 
So what would you have done if Gabriel came to you while you were sitting at your kitchen table, sent to tell you that God had something else in mind for your life, a calling, a contribution, a ministry, a purpose, a gift, a relationship, a pathway, an adventure. One that even in your wildest imaginations you would never have anticipated. And even as it is happening to you, it still does not seem possible. Gabriel's appearance to Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, an elderly country priest carrying out his duties upon the altar of the temple in Jerusalem, has all of the makings in our minds of a biblical encounter. But even as he stands in the holiness and majesty of the sacred space, Zechariah is not quite convinced that what he is hearing and seeing is in fact a vision of the life-giving presence of the very God to whom he is worshiping. And therein lies the irony of it all, that a priest of this God in the sanctuary of the holy city who is interceding on behalf of the prayers of the people is himself suspicious of the possibility that his own prayers are being heard. But Mary, on the other hand, a young woman without privilege or influence, a religious, ethnic, and cultural minority in a little town where nothing ever happens, far from the seats of imperial power and sacred authority, with no claim whatsoever to any channels of access to the holiness of God, is met by the very same divine messenger, bearing witness to good news. And unlike the priest, when Mary hears the call of God, she says, here am I, and let it be with me according to your word. The gospel writer more than once refers to Gabriel's appearance as a greeting. And in fact, Gabriel's choice of words right from the very beginning give away the exceptionally wondrous nature of what this messenger has to say. The word translated as greetings is derived from the New Testament word for gladness and rejoicing. Not to be confused with a mere formality like hello. Gabriel's first word to Mary denotes particularity and might very well be paraphrased, I'm glad to see you. Gabriel then links the manner of greeting with a descriptor of who this divine messenger knows Mary to be. Now today's translation reads, favored one, which is all well and good. But this word also shares a root with the word for grace. And is used in only one other place in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 1, wherein the author is describing the blessing of our having been chosen to become the children of God. So to be more precise, Gabriel's specific designation to Mary might well be rendered one who has become the recipient of a divine gift. The Lord is with you, Gabriel declares. But upon hearing this, the scriptures say that Mary has no idea what to make of these words and why Gabriel, an angel, would bring such a message to her. 
And to be clear, it's not just Gabriel's extraordinary appearance that catches Mary by surprise. It is the message of good news itself that Mary needs some time to let sink in. Not just good news, but good news for Mary. Are you sure that you have come to the right place? Mary wonders to herself. Sometimes the gospel is difficult for us to hear, not because we question its origin, but because the sounds of good news for us just sound too good to be true. Not that God would speak, but that God would have anything to say to us that we would want to hear. The elderly priest Zechariah feared Gabriel's visitation as sure as his own life. But Mary's fear is different. It's not the strange guest that she questions, but the authenticity of the message itself. So as Mary ponders and discerns what sort of greeting this might be, Gabriel insists that there is nothing artificial going on behind the scenes. Do not be afraid, Mary, Gabriel says. God is honoring you. To be the mother of the very Son of God, carried in your body, cradled in your arms, with features that resemble you, the shape of his hands, the sound of his voice, the manner in which he speaks. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That is to say, God has chosen you, Mary, to be the one through whom God's promise of salvation shall be fulfilled. How? Mary asks. A New Testament word that can also mean why. And Gabriel answers, it is because of the holiness of God, whose very presence shall be upon you, with you, surrounding you, growing life inside of you, because by the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be deserted. Nothing will be useless. Nothing will be wasted. Nothing will be abandoned. Nothing will be left unredeemed. When the scriptures tell us that Mary then went with haste, to visit Elizabeth, we're not just being told that she went quickly, but that she did so with the eagerness of commitment and with a sense of responsibility, not only for herself now, but for Elizabeth as well. And we also find out why. For as Mary entered the house in the hill country, she herself also becomes an instrument of greeting, although curiously, the gospel writer is intentional to make use of a different word for greeting this time around. The word used to describe Mary's greeting of Elizabeth is a word whose definition details at length a mutual exchange of affection and care. It is a word that means to warmly and happily engage in an hospitable recognition of another. Much like the angel who visited her, Mary's greeting of Elizabeth is also one of great rejoicing. And it is joy that becomes in this story the primary sign of the presence of God. 
joy on behalf of another, joy to rejoice in another's presence and company, joy to spend time giving our fullest attention, joy that does not take for granted that we are together. It is important that we pay attention to the presence of joy in today's reading, not only as the means through which God's promises are being revealed, but also as a means through which God's promises are shared. Joy, as you know, is a characteristic of the divine. So it's no surprise that when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, the child in her womb leaped for joy, and she, Elizabeth, was filled with the Holy Spirit, the signs of which include the ability for Elizabeth to both discern and also to speak of the presence of divine grace and blessing now in Mary's life, not just in her own life, but in the life of someone else. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit is given to be shared by the entire community. And our experience of communion with the divine is not for our own personal benefit, but always for the purpose of deepening and maturing our communion with each other. Understanding the relational character of the Spirit enables us to move beyond the misguided notion that joy is nothing more than personal happiness, a fleeting emotion that may come and go. On the contrary, the presence of joy in today's reading helps to connect the dots and to make clear that joy in the context of the gospel pours forth from the character of God's faithful love in action. And it is personal and it is particular only insofar as it gracefully extends to each and every one of us. Christian theologian Willie Jennings rightfully reminds us that joy in a world like ours often begins as an act of resistance against despair. Such joy is not cheap. A cheap spiritual exercise or a dangerous refusal to see the world as it really is. It is rather a posture of laying claim to and pointing toward the truth of the promises of God here and now, in every moment, as having authority over and above all willful destruction, sins of dehumanization, and terrible suffering. And it is the demonstration, day after day, of our shared hope and mutual responsibility that enables the joy of the Holy Spirit to work its way in us, like Mary, as we set out with haste, in earnest commitment on behalf of one another, and with the seeds of the good news that our God has set before us, gradually shaping us in unanticipated directions and becoming a new way of life and being in the world. So you see, joy is not merely an inward experience or feeling. It is itself a vision of life, enabling us to locate and also to claim the possibilities of joy in places that have not known such joy before. The recognition of joy as nothing less than the evidence of a divine gift 
is in keeping also with the words of Nehemiah when he said to those returning home from exile, longing to rebuild and to start again, not knowing how or what or when, do not be grieved, he said to them, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. But the quality of joy is not merely the energy of endurance to keep us going. It is also a mark of God's vision and guidance, giving direction as we are navigating the paths of life and seeking to discern which way to go. As Bishop Lane Sapp also said recently, the presence of joy is a sign that we are using our gifts in the way God wants us to use them. And in light of today's reading, these words issue an important reminder That sometimes God's direction for our lives uncovers gifts that lay dormant, proficiencies that we did not know were there, and in the case of Mary, pathways and abilities that only come to fruition when we say yes to God's invitation, because they are not the result of our own efforts, but rather the signs of salvation and the evidence of God's presence at work within us. All of which brings to mind one final observation, that when we welcome and live God's joy in us, such joy is given back to God in return. Consider, for instance, the trajectory of joy in today's reading. God sends Gabriel with good news. Gabriel joyfully greets Mary. Mary receives Gabriel's message. Mary then travels to joyfully greet Elizabeth. Elizabeth, her baby, leaps for joy in her womb. Elizabeth is then filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth joyfully blesses Mary, and Mary offers praise back to God. And as if discovering for the very first time, Mary finds herself saying, in the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. It is no coincidence that today's scripture begins with God finding joy in Mary and concludes with Mary finding joy in God. For the gospel of our Lord is the promise of good news, of great joy that we would find and experience joy in one another. And it transforms us. So much so that when Mary's visit with Elizabeth comes to an end, she does not simply say goodbye. The word used to describe Mary's departure is in fact the same word later used in chapter 2 to describe the departure of the shepherds who would later make their way to the stable in Bethlehem. It is a word that simultaneously indicates both an outward change in direction as well as an inward change of heart and mind, of will and desire. It's one of those words that doesn't mean one or the other. It always means both. And such is the result of seeking to live a life of faithful attunement to the presence of the holy. It is the unfolding discovery of the joyous love of the divine that God makes known to us in Christ. Whoever we are, wherever 
we may be. Because God delights in you. God delights in you as one of God's own beloved creatures. And God desires for you to know the joys of redemption. Born in the littleness of Mary's child, who is Jesus the Christ, our Redeemer forever. And God's joy invites us to claim the promises of this good news in the everydayness of those with whom we live and share our lives. Greeting one another as Mary and Elizabeth and mutual respect and warmth and honoring one another. Eager to celebrate God's calling and promises in each other's stories as joy that is at once gracefully given is given back in lives of service and in songs of praise. And it all begins with an increasing awareness, not that God can speak, but that God still speaks, and that God has spoken. And God's word, who is Jesus our Lord, is calling out even now, to the whole of creation. As Father Anthony DeMello reminds us, look at God looking at you and smiling. Amen.